Still Look Pretty, the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sit Still Look Pretty podcast. We're your hosts, Vanessa and Summer. And like I always say, we are so happy to have you guys here with us. This is episode two of the Law Spective series, where we give you the top tips to surviving law school. This episode, we're going to be talking about essays. We're going to go through planning, structuring, writing, giving you our favorite law journal portal areas to find research. And we're going to give two different perspectives on planning obviously you don't have to use either of these but maybe one or both might even resonate with you by the way the timing of this episode is not coincidental we did plan for this to come out just in time for exam season we realized that it's going to be a tough time for a lot of us out there as summer and i prepare to face our last round of exams the hardest level of any game possible (laughs) you know when you play a computer game and you get to like the last level it's just like monsters coming out everywhere planes falling out of the sky that's what we're battling so yeah it's just it's it's good timing Mm -hmm. so we hope that you resonate with this and you you take something away from it and hopefully we can offer you some some help so let's dive straight in we're gonna start off with research and we're gonna give you our favorite platforms to research i'm there's gonna be a little bit of a joke here because i just want to foreshadow that no one should cite law teacher that is the biggest disclaimer i could ever give you if you're thinking of starting law school and writing an essay people actually do that did you not know about that no (laughs) wait hold on a second because that's just absolutely nuts this is what i'm saying so you'll get to know if you're at law school or going to law school that if you google any case or any theory of law law teacher will come up we were in second year and it was public law and i remember in my tutorial so we had to submit mocks right called formatives and someone submitted their mock but we got an email like a week later from our tutorial leader who said don't cite law teacher when writing your essays like they footnoted it and cited it i use it but like i don't use it to that extent sorry that's just hilarious literally law teacher is like the wikipedia of law school it's like you know when your teacher's at a level like wikipedia anyone can go in and log in and like yeah the funny thing is i swear it's written by like students and and i guess they have some admins and stuff but it's in no way shape or form like the most reliable source sorry law teacher we do love you but you gotta stay away from uh from our essays wow yeah literally but anyway going back to our top law portals i would say lord oxford law trove so my issue with this is that it's a good resource Mm -hmm. to have if you're looking for like particular textbook i guess it has the most sort of known Mm -hmm. textbooks and stuff like that but i don't find it to be particularly useful when i'm looking for like articles in fact i don't think it has any articles journals or anything no law trove not for articles at all for books and i say that this is really key because when you go to law school you spend a lot of money on books and i think one thing that the pandemic has made us realize is that we don't actually have to spend that money on books i did personally because i highlight annotate fold everything my textbooks but if you want to look for a specific author you can find their book 90 percent of the time on law trove i actually prefer buying the books i know it's a bit more pricey and 
whatever but i get tired i stare at a screen pretty much 10 hours a day so to stare at further five hours or however long it takes me to do my readings i think it just strains my eyes mm. too much which is why i prefer having the the book in, mm. in hardback yeah. format but uh, i guess it's it's down to, to mm. personal preference i would say probably the next one that i like to do a lot of research on is westlaw it's honestly so good in first in my first year at law school everyone was like oh my god you know you should try westlaw it's so great blah blah blah, blah. and i was just like nah i just personally i don't think it's for me whatever <laughs> and then in second year when the pandemic hit and i could no longer like go to the library and do my research there and stuff like that like that's when i fully mm. fell in love with it and now every assignment i have i have to go to westlow and see what's out there mm. find articles that support my point refute my point confirmation bias you name it they have it yeah you have you seen the new like the new platform for for westlaw i love it so so first in first year i hated westlaw because i hated navigating it because it was awful but they updated the the portal and it's great by the way <laughs> so here's the thing i was on lawtel the other day because like i couldn't find this particular article i was looking for so like i just took all of them by process of elimination and i think westlaw bought lawtel yeah because the layout whatever you call it is literally the same i kid you not i couldn't believe it i was like am i on westlaw am i on lawtel i just no couldn't way. tell the difference yeah that's that's so wild i need to i'm gonna have a look i mean i have to i'm doing revision anyway so i'll, I'll definitely take a peek but that's wild i think my next one is lexis lexis nexus not a big fan you're not a fan of lexis you know what though i have taken a predominantly public law route in my choices in dissertation and optional modules 90 percent of the time throughout my degree and lexis has always been really good for that it has really good articles it has really good journals for that specific area and human rights as well if you're interested in that that's quite it's quite helpful to use that platform for stuff like that i don't like the layout of it but the sources that it provides are quite helpful and it also it sometimes has this option under certain articles to cite it for you i think westlaw does that as well yeah though. that's what i mean but when it comes to <laughs> the human rights cases and it's all the different funky names and oscola took me forever to get my head around when you use lexis it's really helpful because when you're trying to remember or be able to cite specific names countries of languages that you don't speak when it's just done for you it makes your life so much easier it's just copy and paste slap bang right into your essay or your plan yeah we just don't vibe i prefer westlaw i think my top three would actually be westlaw law trove and probably just the internet like mm. as it is because sometimes you can find some really good articles that are like for example on google that are hosted by third party websites i can't think of any names at the top of my head but i think you guys know what i mean and i think i find those to be quite useful like especially in my third year of law school which is i think when i did the most research because dissertation and everything and i chose a topic that wasn't really there wasn't a lot of like literature on it at the moment cryptocurrencies because it's so affluent it's so upcoming it's so hot at the minute that there wasn't a lot of uh, articles and books and, and stuff on it so i kind of had to take the freeway and just go on like google and try yeah. to find things so i didn't really use westlaw mm. that much i think another thing not to downplay is 
is your lectures and seminar handouts because I know that initially when you get them and when you look at the seminar sheets or when you look at the lecture handouts and stuff like that you're like oh there's so much and then you see the further reading and it's like three books but you're still like oh I already have to do 200 page reading for this lecture so I'm not going to do the further reading honestly that further reading the plug the I know it's the lecturer's job but honestly some of those further readings are so good because they put in really key niche sort of discussions here's the thing right so this might be a bit controversial but whatever i'll just go and say it so the lecture and seminar notes are absolutely very 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 useful they actually contain everything that you need to know in terms of the body of of your knowledge basically and then the recommended reading and stuff is just the articles that build on your discussion and your critical analysis but a lot of law students i feel like they fall into the trap of thinking oh my god i have to do all of this reading that that's not the case you just pick so once you have your lecture notes and your seminar notes consolidated or whatever you pick what recommended reading you want to do you don't have to do all of it because if you sat there and did all of it some tutors assign pages of recommended reading you're not going to sit there the night before because i know you all do your seminar work the night before your seminar you're not going to sit there and just oh yeah let me do this like three page of recommended reading which each article that's written on that it has like 30 pages mm. this is not possible so don't fall into that trap of thinking that you have to do all that reading just take one or two and build around it yeah exactly law school is very much about working smarter not harder like obviously you still have to work hard but when it comes to your revising or researching for your essays and your problem questions don't do all of the reading and don't continuously read up on things that you already know about and you could already write about in confidence because that's just a waste of time it's, it's interesting you said that because a lot of the textbook reading that we get it basically just kind of state states or restates what was said in the lecture so i think that's another important point we have to touch on do the textbook reading but don't take notes on it because you've already you already have the notes from your lecture so if you spot something new that you clearly haven't touched on on the in the lecture or whatever then then do take notes but don't summarize the book Mm. because law exams legal exams they're not about regurgitation and a lot of textbooks they don't have a lot of critical analysis they just have the knowledge so yeah I, i think that would be my take on that another thing i would say is probably really useful when you engage in research is footnote chasing and this is basically the process where you find an article that you really like and then that article within itself has other references to other articles which are useful to you to your research and if especially if you find for example an article that is of the same opinion as you are and then you want to find other articles to strengthen your point even more then the chances are that that article has footnotes to other articles that add to that so yeah footnote chasing would have to be my favorite actually even Mm -hmm. when i read book even when i was doing my dissertation research i was reading like these cryptocurrency books and they had footnotes and i was like hmm let me touch on that and some of them had articles some of them referenced other books honestly very 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 good method of, uh, of research and it saves you having to go through like a very big chunk of 
articles for example on Westlow when you type in a, a word or whatever you get so many results that you get so overwhelmed mm. I think a, a key thing to point out here is we are talking about essays and when you're in law school aside from your dissertation most of your essays are going to be between 1,500 words and maximum probably 4,000 words so when we're sitting here telling you about research and articles when it comes to your critical analysis it can't just come from articles you can't just read 10 articles and put it into a 4,000 word essay because you need to have your statute you need to have cases and the basics that you're going to discuss anyway but when it comes to your critical analysis it doesn't just have to come from articles it doesn't just come from what other people have said because they do want to see your own opinion and your own thought process this reinforces what we said earlier that's why you got to be selective about what articles you choose to pursue on that recommended reading because you could for all we care you could have read 50 articles but if your essay is a 1500 word essay and you have like 50 articles how are you going to fit all of them in how are, you, how are you going to reference all of those articles in a 1,500 word mm-hmm. essay? Bear in mind, you should have a, one footnote every 100 words. So on a 1,500 word essay, that's what, 15 footnotes? You can't even physically footnote the 50 articles that you've written. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can't even footnote half of them. Mm-hmm. So that's why you've got to be selective and picky because if you read 50 articles, then you would have just wasted your time. Yeah, okay, you maybe you would have had a lot more, you would have gained a lot more more knowledge and a lot more sort of depth a lot more perspective on it or whatever but you only have 1500 words to write so think about your word count before you engage in research because that usually dictates the extent of the research that you can undertake time management is very key when it comes to legal essays because you'll either be given a week or two weeks maximum aside from obviously your dissertation and your exams which usually be about three hours but again be selective but if it's a topic that you genuinely don't know about read those 50 articles do what you have to do so that you feel confident to write your essay but you have to remember that because obviously you're going to put them in your bibliography if you did actually read them i know half of us bullshit in our in our bibliographies i know that for a hey fact. speak for yourself don't, don't even try me because i have first i'll pull up first year memory receipts <laughs> right now but when it comes to your research make sure you have a sufficient amount of cases and statute we're going to talk about critical analysis a bit later on but you have to also analyze within those you don't just sit here and be like yeah this happened in this case and this person said this which supports what happened in this case that's good but it's not going to get you the higher level marks research is important but your opinion is much more important and research forms your opinion so yes you do have to undertake it but don't waste weeks on it because the amount of time you allocate to a task is the amount of time that you're going to spend doing it if you start your essay like a couple of days before it's due which i know a lot of people do yeah we're gonna go into the next section now which is planning and that very much leads us right into that so you know how earlier i said about you have like one or two weeks to do a mock or for example or in an exam hall you'll have three hours you have to allocate what you're going to do on those days or within those minutes hours whatever so in actual exams <laughs> throwback when we had in-person exams but... sorry what's that <laughs> foreign concept don't know about that a year down the line i'm i'm gonna graduate without seeing an in-person please exam. i'm gonna graduate from my bed how weird is that <laughs> when it came to in-person exams say we had two and a half hours for contract law and let's say you had two one problem question one essay question if you have two and a half hours i give myself 15 minutes to plan never took me that long because you should go in there knowing the content i'm sorry but you really need to revise a few exams allocate yourself 15 minutes for planning both of the questions the problem question 
question will probably take you slightly bit more longer because you have to go through all of the issues that arise. But you've given yourself that 15 minutes. If it takes you less than 15 minutes, it usually took me about eight, 10, eight, 10 maximum. I don't know, because I used to like do one que- plan, do one question, then plan, do the other Ooh. one. So I don't... But th- th- hey it's subjective just because you do it one way that gives me anxiety i needed to look at both of them because obviously you're gonna get like a booklet of like four questions you're gonna get two problems two essays you pick one essay one problem i don't know how your uni does it but that's kind of how our uni did it for some of the modules but i had to look at both and plan both and colored highlighters in your exam are gonna help you absolutely not yes they will (laughs) they will because you know what i'm gonna get into it when i talk about my roadmap because this is the episode that you guys have been waiting for you can highlight the issue you can highlight in problem questions if there's multiple issues i hate people that just draw with one pencil and one oh no that just gives me anxiety it has to be color coordinated so you can just look at it and already know you've given yourself 15 minutes each to plan and that gives you an hour each to write and you now know that you have an hour to write but also keep checking the clock if it doesn't take you 15 minutes and it takes you 10 minutes then you have extra minutes to write or you have extra minutes at the end five minutes to read through your essay edit it move things around if you need to it's if you're doing it on a computer well that's it no that's if you're doing it in real time five minutes to read for your exam you're gonna write right to the end well sometimes no, you, you, you said move things around and if you've written it on paper yeah. then how can you move it you around? can move it have you never done that before no okay so what you draw like arrows yes no oh my god no <laughs> absolutely no i'm finding out more things about you now no <laughs> that's actually tough no, but sometimes sometimes it's needed because sometimes you think of like a bomb ass point right at the end that you wish you thought about in your 15 minutes and then you get to make it sometimes you plan out three paragraphs and then you come with a fourth banging paragraph and you have some put or asterisk there to move that fourth paragraph before the conclusion yeah but now it just looks like you just you the examiner is going to look at it thinking you drew a diagram with all the arrows and asterisks and then like probably like she's probably trying to tell me something in code let me try let me, let me go get my decipher real quick i'm asking him to come and save me from this exam no it's not chaotic it's not lines all over the page you're making it sound like i'm drawing a spider diagram Do you know what i thought about you know when we're sitting at GCSEs and A levels, and then you would like raise your. I've never personally done this, but I've heard from experiences of people who have done it. Yeah, yeah. They would raise. No, seriously, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I'm, I, I listen. I revised my A levels. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, like when you put your hand up and you ask for help, if the question is too hard or whatever, they just read the question back. Was <laughs> <laughs> if I couldn't read? <laughs> I read no, honestly, I think about this so often. <laughs> like, mean, yeah, let me help you. They can't give you the answer. I don't know what they expected. This is why revision is key people let's go back to we went off on a bit of a tangent there sorry guys but planning so in the last episode well first episode of this series but the last episode just before this we spoke about irac and this is how pretty much every single legal paragraph in your legal essays problem questions answers will be planned out and it's through irac the i stands for issue the r stands for (laughs) rule The A stands for (laughs) application. And the C stands for conclusion. So it's I to the R to the A to the (laughs) C. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so now we're going to go through our two ways of planning essays, problem questions, any of those. So my way, the way I do it is through a roadmap because 
I mean, as you guys know from the arrows analogy that I told you about that I do in my exams, I need to be able to look at my plan and be able to see a route to the end. I have to look at it as like a journey, as like where I'm going, where I'm starting, where I'm going. So first I map out, I look at the question and I map out all the potential arguments that I could make either for a problem question or an essay. If it's an essay question, it's whatever argument theory that I can draw from it. Whether it's a problem question, it's how to solve this case. What would be the best route for me? And what would be the best route I could argue? I guess because that's really what it's about there's never one answer in law school I see Summer has written here 25 page plans (laughs) on the sheet for this episode and I have something to say for myself right it's actually not 25 it's 15 and (laughs) does make a difference yeah that makes it so much better (laughs) I don't like roadmaps because I don't like defining the end before I even started. I like to take a much more see-as-you-go approach. Some people may not be comfortable with that, but it's just how I do my essays. So I'll have the knowledge that I know that I want to include that's absolutely non-negotiable. But when it comes to critical analysis and research and stuff like that, I like to sort of challenge myself in a way. If I have a certain opinion, I want to see if I can find different articles and stuff to sort of refute that and then use that as my critical analysis. So yeah, I I don't really, I'm not really a big fan of roadmaps. I just kind of like to take it as I go and then see how my analysis evolves along the way. I obviously do read my essays at the end and check for like coherence and stuff like that. They are 15 page long plans because they, I do so much like sort of research and I have so many ideas and stuff like that, that I put all of them down on paper and then that's what I work from. And that's why my plans are so long. I don't always include all of the information I have on those 15 pages, but it just helps me to see what possibilities are out there so that when I write a paragraph, sometimes I think of things that I haven't written down. Things just come to me sort of like a eureka moment. And I followed that line of thinking. And then after I finished that paragraph with that newfound line of thinking then I go back to my 15 page plan and I look through it and I'm like what could I use from here to support what I just thought of so that's why they are 15 page long some people might think that that's erratic or crazy and it might give them anxiety it certainly does to summer but to me it just kind of gives me sort of a a pool of choices that my of avenues that my Mm. essay could go down on I don't like defining the thing from the beginning because I just Mm. think that just limits it kind of closes my mind Mm. off and I don't think about anything else when I'm writing it and when the truth is when I write my essays I my mind just goes a a hundred miles an hour because I think of all the different possibilities I could say and like Mm. oh I could say this here yeah it sounds crazy but there's a method to the madness I think that's the exact reason why I do my roadmap because I kind of brain splurge everything it gives myself an entire day to look through the essay and look or look through the problem question when it is obviously a take home or a mock or something like that and I will sit there with it and I'll look through it and I'll literally regurgitate literally everything out I'll start researching the ideas because obviously you know what sort of module this is for and what sort of seminar or lecture it's for so the topic within the module for example and when I do that I'll start firebombing all of this information out onto the paper and then once I've seen it and once I've bullet pointed all of my ideas or written it sometimes there's like loads of flying pieces of paper all over the place and this is where the color coordination comes in but once i've done that looking back at it and having that sort of this would be the best route i can take and i know how to argue it gives me that sort of like certainty that sort of like this is what you're gonna do you're gonna stick with it and my brain clicks in and then it just it's like driven 
to down that direction and then it, i will research around that direction and it sounds a bit like ignorance fair but i think that it's a way for me to keep structure and keep focused on my end goal because i'll see it and i know where i'm gonna get and i will do anything in my power to get there and that's why when i have the roadmap this is why it's so crucial for me because at every single stage i will bullet point number and color coordinate my iraq so i have one piece of paper which i call the backbone and it has all of the paragraphs that i want to talk about it has like rough paragraph headings and stuff like that i, th I think we're going to talk about headings later on in this episode it has like paragraph headings and stuff so i know where the information is going to go i just don't want to sort of put all the information that's going to go in that paragraph because i kind of just want to see if i can think of anything else and then if that's better than what i had originally thought of i know it sounds mad but it's just how i do it let's talk about writing actually writing it so obviously there's word limits to pretty much every essay i think we've we've ever had and also this varies i think from university to university but our ones were 1500 2000 and then 4000 for the more important ones and then well <laughs> 10,000 for the dissertation so as I said before word count is definitely indicative of a, of the amount of research that you should be doing but it's nonetheless it's not like a cap you could obviously do more if you feel like you need to do more yeah 100% I think it's a law student right of passage to go over the word count I don't know one law student that hasn't gone over the word count or spent an entire day trying to cut down an essay that they've went considerably over the word limit I cut out a whole chapter out of my dissertation so that is insane to me <laughs> that is insane I know it was like 2,000 words over the word count I was like I'm not taking out paragraphs to amount to 2,000 words I was just like right which chapter which one out of you can I get rid of and then I just got rid of one it was heartbreaking because I spent so much time like writing it but I was like 10,000 words and she still went over so funny to me that what 10,000 words even wasn't enough hey man you know me I always got a lot to say <sighs> that is true hence the podcast <laughs> when it comes to those smaller essays I think it's a lot harder to be like oh i'm gonna put so many words in this paragraph and so many words in this paragraph because there's a lot of content and your argument is going to differ and you need to have certain paragraphs that are going to strengthen your argument more than others in a levels let's take a government and politics one for example i know that quite a few people that do a law a level do government and politics at a level and you usually have your for and against for and against or you have your factors right for and against for and against the issue with that is that for a lot of the time when you're writing your legal essays you're not asked to do when it says critically assess i think a lot of people usually went into it as the for and against for and against but what you don't realize is with your critical analysis you make a point in your your paragraph you have your iraq you have all of that going on when you apply the law the law gives you your for and against for and against so when it comes to your critical analysis you can be like here it says this but in the opposite dictator it says this strengthen and weaken your argument i don't think it's so straight as a foreign is, is this or is this is this or is this yeah, I think it's very important to remember that there are no right or wrong mm. answers when it comes to writing. And making the mistake of thinking that there is a right or wrong answer it will only make you more confused and will only have you searching for things that won't adhere to what you're trying to mm. say or will adhere to what you're trying to say but also kind of confuse you mm. at the same time. So just, just remember that there are no right or wrong answers. Mm. And like we said in the previous episode for this particular series, nothing is crazy enough. Like it, if mm. you can find the appropriate sort of backing for it then mm. say it say a piece girl just just do what you gotta do 100 law school 
legal essays it's not so black and white it's not is this or it isn't it's very nuanced it's just constant gray area when i said earlier about timing and giving yourself a day to do how i do splurge all of my ideas for the essay on one day then i usually give myself maybe two three days to research if i'm going to do this over a week two days i like to do two days maximum for research because i don't want to sit here and do research all day because i don't want this essay to take up all my day because when you're in law school you're going to have a lot going on especially when you get mocks on you never just get one mock you'll get multiple mocks across your modules and then you don't have to write it all in one day you don't but for the most part you probably will i'm not even gonna sugarcoat it i'm not gonna be like oh you can write it over two days you're gonna sit there and you're gonna want to bang it out because you're gonna have so many other things to do but as long as you give yourself an entire day before the submission to edit it because there's nothing worse than running on a lack of sleep and just pure caffeine having to edit two hours before the submission because submission is usually either 12 midday four o'clock or midnight you get so tired that you actually don't care about it anymore and you're just like oh I'll just get like let me just submit it so yeah i think that's the importance with with starting early starting in time now don't be fooled i think we've all had our experiences with uh late submission well not late submissions i've never submitted late but submitting just in time and it's been quite traumatic i remember one particular time we had an intellectual property exam and we got given like 48 hours to do it let me tell you both summer and i we were like just when we submitted it i think we needed about three days just to recover we hadn't slept in 48 hours at the in, and in that period, we literally sat at our desks, ate at our desks. M- my feet were like cramping because I didn't move in 48 hours. So obviously that wasn't inflicted because it was just a time frame that we were allowed to, to do it in. But if you do have the choice, please start early mm. because you're just going to tire yourself out yeah. unnecessarily. A hundred percent. And I think that really swings us right into this next part, which is editing. I would leave this till last, but I kind of want to hone in on the critical analysis and importance of introduction and conclusion. When it comes to editing, obviously the word limit you have to take into account. Most of the time you're probably going to be like, it's going to be like a 2000 word essay and you're going to be like 1999. And one thing you'll hear a lot of the time in law school is if you can write it more concise, do. And when it comes to mocks, lecturers are more likely to mark harshly because they want to be harsh at the beginning so that you don't know what the external examiner, because you have your lecturer and then you have an external examiner who goes over what the lecturer has marked. And you don't want them to also be harsh. You know what I mean? Like, it's they kind of balance it out. And when it comes to your editing, look for those repeated words. Look for when you're sitting there and you're going, however, this could be said this way. Because you could just be like, however, and then say your point. You don't have to go and start waffling. I know that a lot of the time, especially from A-level... I think you always trying to reach the word limit you're always trying to waffle a little bit because we said in our previous episode a lot of the exams and the way you write your exams previous to uni is regurgitation so you're used to saying a lot to say one point like you're used to writing a lot to say one point when it comes to law school your word limit matters and the words that you use are key especially when it comes to problem questions i remember we had this ip law problem question i can't even lie to you i think our lecturer put every possible infringement every possible issue that she could actually think of off the top of her head into this one problem question and we had to start writing points as one sentence solely when we say word count matters it really does and the way you write things is so important 
that essay literally read as if like a kid had wrote it <laughs> it was so like simple but I, I still got a good grade in the end but this is what summer's trying to say be concise mm-hmm. don't try to show off by using fancy words or whatever just just be yourself say what you have to say and don't make it more complicated than it already is law is already complicated it's a complicated subject and it's hard to get your head around for a lot of people so don't make it more complicated Mm. than it than it needs to be another thing with editing actually i wanted to touch on is the importance of headings in essays in my first year of law school i actually didn't start using headings in my essays until really yeah i didn't start using headings in my essays until my last year of law school which i think to a lot of people will sound absolutely insane but it was just not something i i just engaged in and then when i started doing it for my dissertation i kind of fell in love with it and i was like you know what this is actually a really good way of presenting information so now i do it in like pretty much every essay yeah headings are so important because if it's a 2000 word essay a 4000 word essay whatever examiners when they receive your essay they just see words and paragraphs and that can be quite overwhelming i know myself if i put myself in their shoes and i just saw like all these words and stuff like that like it's just a bit overwhelming but if you have headings then they know what that chunk of text underneath Mm. that heading is going to be about so they can like kind of like mentally prepare for it it just gives it a bit more structure a bit more coherence in my opinion so yeah always 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 add headings to your essays yeah i think linking to that as well you don't have to head it heading every paragraph sometimes in certain essays that i've written i've done section one of what i'm going to talk about and then section two of what i'm going to talk about section a or section b just so that when i've written those like two or three paragraphs within that section it's concise as to what i'm talking about and it links back to my roadmap discussion because when i've roadmapped what i'm going to talk about in that section that's all i talk about in that section it adds clarity for you and also the examiner who's reading your essay sections are important and actually another thing that's really good to do is when you start a new section write a brief sort of two three sentence introduction in that section so that you explain how it relates back to your question that also adds it a little bit of uh, spice and it's very it's just very good to do it just gives it a bit of it just makes it more simple basically the final thing that we're going to talk about in editing is footnotes referencing footnotes bibliography all of this kind of lumps into one you have to do scholar referencing when you go to law school it is the only way that you reference in legal essays when it comes to your referencing this is the importance of the leaving your one day for editing so when you're gonna have you're gonna have to cut out 90% of the time but also your referencing in your footnotes I'm the sort of person who everyone's different but I'm the sort of person who footnotes as she goes not all of the footnotes are perfect at the first go but I will footnote as I go because it saves me from having to go back through my essay and look at a bracket that says footnote and it's like where did I even get that from because a lot of the time when you footnote it's not always a quote it's just an idea where you've got it from a theory so if you footnote as you write your essay when it comes to that final day of editing you won't have to sit there and take up so much more time trying to sit there and reference i just put the footnote so like i put the page number i put the book that i got it from and stuff like that and then i just go back on it and do the actual citation at the end but yeah no definitely footnote as you go because that's just gonna you're just gonna literally rip your hair out if yeah. you, if you don't footnote as you go one thing i will say if there is a subscription that you should pay for it's definitely definitely cite this for me because i think they only give you like a maximum of 10 free citations so honestly lifesaver just get it Mm. it's it it will save you so much time and so much headaches and it's literally so good to use so yeah 
Yeah, that wasn't an ad, by the way. That's just a life hack <laughs> for all students. And there's another thing. When you do your bibliography, you're always going to, well, 90% of the time, you're going to have to do an alphabetical order. There's a button on Word that puts that in alphabetical order for you, by the way. People don't know that. I didn't know that until second year. <laughs> no i ref no i refuse to believe this i wish i wish i was joking i wish i was joking i was sitting there poor me first year trying to like move things around and like copy and paste and move this and move that it was traumatic i'll pay for your therapy you know what please do because that was awful but yeah look for those little niche things that just saved time it's a lot more time effective to do little things like that just 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 be efficient man yeah just just be efficient if you can take a shortcut take it yeah now i think i'm gonna swing to introduction and conclusion because we haven't really touched on this something that i think i carried with me from a level but i don't know if everybody even knows this when you have your introduction and your conclusion somebody needs to be able to take both of those and know exactly what you're gonna say don't introduce new points into your conclusion because then it won't match you need to be able to take away both of those two and look at them and be like oh that's what they're gonna talk about and then when they read your actual body of your essay then they can find the little niche critical analysis arguments that you're making and the reasons why you're making those things i like to do my introduction and conclusion last because when i am writing the body of my essay i find ways to phrase my introduction and conclusion better i feel like sometimes it's really difficult to start an essay writing your introduction first because you want to say it in a perfect way but when you've written the body of your essay which is the the heart of your essay you are in that flow you're in that mindset of oh this is how i want to phrase it this is the tone of my essay this is kind of what i want so when you finish writing your three to four paragraphs of your body then i would say go back and write your introduction because you already know what you're going to say you already know how you've said it and it'll come across a lot easier for you to write in my first and second year i would usually begin by writing my introduction first and then the essay and then the conclusion but this year i got into the habit of writing the body first and then the introduction and the conclusion and honestly i find it to be a lot more less daunting i feel like when you start a new assignment when you're writing that conclusion you just feel like it's going to be so hard you're writing your conclusion and you just feel so overwhelmed you feel like it's so daunting whereas if you just dive straight into paragraph one you have what you, ha- what you have to say and then before you know it, you've already written like 300 words mm-hmm. and you're like oh okay now next paragraph and i feel like it personally it kind of tricks me into thinking that i've gotten a whole lot more done than i actually have but yeah i find it to be a, a lot more approachable i also think that there's another dimension to the conclusion which is where you're looking at it holistically and you're looking at it in a wider context and i guess with a futuristic pair of glasses as well what will this look like in the future and what other factors is it influenced by is it controlled by i don't know the weather is it controlled by this is just an example but you get what i'm trying to say it's i think it's important to sort of consider those in the conclusion as well to sort of let the reader know that this was your argument this was your approach but also this is controlled by other things that you argument basically depends on it's very much like when you're if you're not at law school yet or you are at law school a lot of the books and a lot of the articles you're going to read when they conclude they always talk about brexit especially when it comes to certain different areas of life intellectual property for example is a really big one how a lot of new books even from 2019 have introduced chapters on brexit because when you get to your conclusion at the end you say i've said all of this this could differ based off the circumstances that may occur but i believe this to be this way for this reason it ultimately is what you want to kind of get ahead in your in your conclusion oh hey so i think we're gonna wrap this up here because this episode's quite long but as always we are so happy if you've made it to the end of this episode and we'll be back next week with another episode on your favorite series the The blueprint Blueprint. bye Bye, guys. guys bye